0: And by that point, I had a couple of children and I didn't like the man that I saw in the mirror. So I didn't understand how they could respect the man that was supposed to raise them. And it was at that point that I knew I had to change something, but I had also come to the realization that I couldn't change it, that I was missing something.
1: Welcome to another episode of Resisting Pretense. It's 2024 and we are excited about kicking off another year. And uh, we have a guest today on the podcast. Jared Lasley is with us. Hi, Jared. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well today. All right, Jake. Is
0: it gonna be weird that we're talking about it being 2024 and this is gonna come out in probably a couple of months? And it will no, be well will come into 2024. This it will come, come out pretty and, quick.
1: Yeah, well oh, really. Yeah. We're behind our time. Yeah, we're we've kind of caught up with our backlog of of recordings. So gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I'm Tom Burks. I'm Scott Little. Still, all right. Still. <laughs> and uh, all day long. We wanna swing back to well, our our goal with this with this podcast is to uh talk about issues of faith in modern culture and hopefully inspire faith-filled conversations um, that you can have in your everyday life and so we're going to go back to the basics of talking about why we called this podcast resisting pretense and what we're what we're trying to accomplish. Um, what does that phrase mean to you, Scott? What does resisting pretense mean to you?
2: You know there's there is um I think this sense of... Um, pretense is always this idea that I'm, I'm bigger, or I have more to contribute, or um, there's more about me. Um, Even if, you know, if you've ever run into people that are like name droppers that Mm. say, oh, I know this person, I know this, that's pretentious to me. Mm. That is somebody that is uh, putting on airs just to, just to show themselves. And I think that, um, the whole idea of resisting pretense is to resist that natural urge in us to be important um, and to just be real, to be to be uh, transparent about what our faith is, what our what what we view life is, um, what our opinions are, and where they come from, um, and not assuming that mine is any better than yours or anybody else's. It's just mm-hmm. a conversation, uh, and so I think there is this. Uh, from the beginning of time, thank you, Adam and Eve, this natural want to lean into into pretense to lean into over importance and and mm. um, our hope is is that we can help people resist that a little bit to open up better conversations about faith
1: yeah i I went back to like dictionary de- definitions mm. um, and pulled up pretense and there's a, a couple of different definitions in it but the the one that caught my attention was a claim especially a false or ambitious one and i think we make a lot of claims in our life i have a teenage son and he makes a lot of claims of the things that he he thinks he knows and sometimes i'm rolling my eyes Uh, (laughs) he's like well you know and i'm like oh here it comes something he read on the internet uh (laughs) It's gotta be true. It was on the internet. Um, but then I looked up pretentious, and it's interesting because I I thought it was gonna say um to be filled with pretense or something. You know, I just thought it would be a link back to to pretense, but it had a totally um specific definition for pretentious, attempting to impress by affecting greater importance, which was kind of what you were mm-hmm. talking about. Um, and I think humility and authenticity are such a huge value to me especially in in my spiritual value system that that's that's why resisting pretense is such a big deal to me and i think a big deal to christians in our culture we we had a long season where the christian faith was so central in our modern american culture that we got we got to get puffed up a little bit with being the center of, of the universe here in the U.S. And as our country shifts away from being a quote-unquote Christian country, not, not that I'm convinced we ever fully were, but but as as it's very clear that our culture is divorcing itself from Christian faith, um, I think it's important for us not to, to not be pretentious. Um, so this is important enough to you, as the leader of our church to
2: actually make this a pillar of what our our values are right is to say that that we want to be a church that resists pretense to say that we are greater we are better we are we don't do that because that's not you know a part of who we are we're more of a hey this is the this is the reality of who we are and such an interesting name to me for a podcast. And that mm. was our. I was going to throw over to Jared that when you first heard that, you know, when you're thinking, why would somebody name their podcast resisting pretense? What went through, what went through your mind?
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely a, an interesting title, but, you know, being a member of this church, I did understand that to be one of the pillars that we sort of use for who we are as a church. And it's, it's interesting to me because one of the things that I think about you know, I, I think about how it's to be more impressive or to be more important when you're putting on a pretense or being pretentious. Yeah. You're trying to get people to believe that you are higher in value. But it was interesting to me because in my life, when I was much younger, I would put on a false face depending on who I was with. And because I ran I ran in two circles, and, and one was a very positive influence and one was a very negative influence And when I was with those negative influence people, there would be a certain facade and a certain, you know, mask or a certain demeanor and a way of behavior, a way of talking that I would demonstrate to them that if they saw me with the group of friends that I had that were, you know, my parents were church going, but I wasn't really, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus when I was younger. I just went because that's what my parents told me to Mm -hmm. do. I didn't understand it completely. Um, but if they had saw me with those friends, they wouldn't even recognize who I, I was, quote unquote. And then vice versa, if, if the kids who knew me from that circle saw me running with the crowd that I chose to run with at that time, they wouldn't understand what they were looking at. And to me, I consider that to be pretentious because maybe mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to look good to the bad kids but I was trying to have them believe there was only that part of who I was. Right. And so I was keeping things hidden depending on who I was around.
1: Right. Right. No, that totally makes sense. So how do you think pretentiousness and, and faith, um, what's the relationship in our culture? Like, do you, did it resonate with you? And I said, I think we're in a place culturally in our, in, in a modern American culture where where we have to resist that because it 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 doesn't it doesn't connect
0: yeah I, I think it's hugely important to resist okay. that because it really does put that difference and what what conjures up in my mind is that image of you know the the man or the woman who's standing there with the placard board on their uh, <laughs> chest and they're <laughs> the they're screaming here. the gospel and and it's You know, the everyday Christian may not go that far, but it does become a challenge when you know that you know the truth. And trying to get others to agree with that Mm -hmm. and to see that truth can sometimes come off very condemning or condescending. Mm -hmm. And I know for me personally, if you want to lose my interest in a conversation speak to me in a condescending way <laughs> and I'll immediately be done because it doesn't matter to me at that point mm-hmm. because that's already shown me that you don't truly care about me or how I feel and Christians can do that because we know the truth and it's almost like for anybody who doesn't know the truth, it can come across that we we view that as being better than them.
1: Right. And that's a that's a fine line mm-hmm. to be confident in what you perceive to be the truth, without being judgmental for people that disagree with you. That's a that's a very fine line.
2: Sure. Well, and I think that that as you were talking, I was thinking about how um, that pretentiousness can can not only come across as what was the word you used um, condescending condescending, but it also is divisive. Mm. You know, and so I think about over the last you know uh three years the discussion about that you can't be a, a christian without being a republican or you know mm. you can't be an american without being christian or you know all of these connections that in and of themselves are pretentious just because somebody says that they are a democrat doesn't mean they're not a christian you know but 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 because Sometimes we connect everything together, there is this pre- pretentiousness that, oh, you are not because you belong to this party, or you agree with this thing, or 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 whatever that might look like, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> instead of being a Christian, and then everything else comes secondary.
1: Yeah. I want to dig more into the um, relationship between Christians and pretentiousness, but first, I, like, you raised a, something, Jared, that caught my attention, and I'm just curious— so you had these two expressions of yourself. What tipped the scale for you to turn to faith and, and to make that the center of your identity? Oh, so we're getting real personal. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to resisting I, pretense. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: sort of, when I explain my, my journey and my walk, I I'll say that I, I knew about Christ from a very young age. I was mm-hmm. raised in a Christian household, but I was not a Christian. I did not behave like a Christian should behave. I did not have a relationship. I didn't follow the example. So all the things that were taught in the Bible, Christians should do, I wasn't doing. So therefore, I may have been raised in a Christian home, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't a Christian. And it wasn't until I was already in my 30s before I found that relationship with Christ and I actually turned that direction. But what it was was um, hitting rock bottom. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was... um, I was drinking heavily. I had ruined a relationship. I had, you know, been unfaithful in a previous marriage. Uh, Just sort of all of these things around me, I could see the pain that I had caused in so many people. And I just didn't want to be that person. And, And by that point, I had a couple of children and I didn't like the man that I saw in the mirror. So I didn't understand how they could respect the man Mm. that was supposed to raise them. And it was at that point that I knew I had to change something, but I had also come to the realization that I couldn't change it, that I was missing something. And that's when I actually turned to having a relationship with Christ and following what Christians are called to do and making that the focus of me as a man
1: that's cool thanks for sharing that um so either one of you what are what are some of the ways we see christians leaning toward pretentiousness while you chew on it i'll 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 give you some of mine that's fine that was a uh, pregnant pause, right? Yeah, Where, uh, you can't ask are thought they still provoking are questions they still
2: there.
1: <laughs> um, I think a big one for me goes to what you mentioned earlier, Jared that, that whole sense of hey, um, we, we believe we have an, a truth that applies to everyone and and i believe we do i believe we do have a truth that applies to everyone um but the way that we wield that sometimes is like a a cudgel yeah <laughs> and and sometimes can be a lot more thoughtful and and careful and respectful but often the way we wield this this conviction of having an absolute truth can be very um self-aggrandizing like we got it figured out and you're all a bunch of idiots um which is as far as you can get from the example of jesus Mm -hmm. um and from the the value system that jesus teaches but so it's something you gotta and that's why i like the resisting part of the phrase, like you've got to resist that pull to get cocky um and arrogant in what you believe to be really important valuable truth so that's that's probably maybe the area where I see it the most is is in that that truth conviction that I've got something that I think not only is true for me and true for you but I think you've got to hear it and then how do I do that in a way that's still respectful of you and not arrogant and not cocky so I think that's a big a big space for us to to wrestle with what are some other maybe some other ways that you see Christians, and delve into pretentiousness
0: that that sort of leans into one of the things that I was thinking <clears throat> and like you said right now is we have that truth and and we know it to be true and sometimes the way people talk you can tell that speaking the truth is what is the most important to them and although I think that's really important mm. Getting people saved should be the focus. And if you're speaking the truth in a way that turns people away from you, you're not really getting to the purpose of evangelizing. And that, to me, I think is one of the things that Christians do that is somewhat pretentious. That that almost sharing the truth and showing people that you know the truth is where they've put that importance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But that doesn't do anybody any good other than yourself. You're the only one who knows that truth if it's done that way, because people have to hear it, like you said. And if it's not shared in a way that shows an interest in them, then we can't reach them.
2: Yeah, you both kind of hit on a couple of them that I was thinking about. One of them that that came to my mind was the idea of of it being like the good housekeeping seal of approval, you know? <laughs> um, I hear people say, well, I'm a good Christian, and I think to myself, what does that mean that you're a good Christian? Like, you say the right words, you you behave the right, what is that, you know, I'd rather see it in action than I would you just saying, I'm a good Christian. It's kind of like, um, and not necessarily that I have a problem with it, except that I think sometimes when we say, well, we are a uh, this this organization is a Christian organization. It's like, it's supposed to mean something as a higher level of quality than in everything else. And I'm thinking, there's a lot of organizations out there that run their organizations better than we do sometimes. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I think if you're saying that, you need to be saying, so this is where we base our faith, but not necessarily, oh, we are better than you because we are a Christian organization or something like that. Um, so I almost think that that's a, a a sense of pride sometimes much more than it should be um, because honestly, we all come to Christ through brokenness, not
1: through um, accomplishment.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, Oh, I accepted Christ. Woohoo. I made it. I'm perfect now. That's, and unfortunately, <laughs> but unfortunately, that's how many outsiders yeah. view us. Yeah. That, we have proclaimed ourselves as being this higher being that when we do fail in our, in our walk, people go, oh, don't you call yourself a Christian? And they miss the whole point of grace and salvation and um, you know, mercy on, on, mm-hmm. um, on our behalf through Christ. And so I think sometimes that, that comes across. and We have to resist that, that plan to say, I'm better than you because I'm a Christian. I'm not better than you. I just know a different way,
1: mm-hmm. right? So I was thinking it would be valuable just to to uh, resist pretense actively by maybe sharing some things that that uh, some moments in our own lives where we've we've recognized that oh maybe I know a little more like maybe I was a little pretentious earlier in my life. Um, things that you thought you knew in your twenties. That now maybe you realize we're uh, a little bit of of uh, arrogance or pretentiousness, and again, I'll I'll jump in. I I remember specifically, uh, and this was almost more late teens than twenties, but I remember specifically um, serving with my youth pastor uh, and very good friend, and him and I kind of feeling like if we were in charge of church, things would be way better. (laughs) Uh, And, and looking at the, you know, the 40, 50, 60 year old people that, that had the, the reins of leadership and just shaking our heads and saying, these guys are so clueless and, and we have so, so, so many better ideas than they have. And, and, and this could be so much better if we were in charge and, and, um, and there there may have been some truth that we had some great ideas but the the attitude was so pretentious and the 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 arrogance was <laughs> so bad and i don't know it wasn't that long ago that i was thinking about that and i thought now i'm on the other side of the equation and the 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 20-year-olds are looking at me as like you're the problem dude <laughs> and i'm like yeah you might be right <laughs> Well what about you? What are things that you thought you knew in your twenties or teens or twenties or even thirties that you're like now you're like, oh gosh, I'm I need to I need to move on.
2: I think when I was young, I had a much more narrow focus of things. And, you know, if you would talk to your talk to my wife, she would say, You say things with such authority that makes it sound like you really know what you're talking about. Mm until people start questioning about what you're talking about. And then I realize, oh, wait a minute, he's not, he's not. And that all was that before knowledgeable. the internet. <laughs> yeah, <that was> <laughs> <laughs> but, and I'll give you an example. You know, I, I think that um, in my younger years, I would have said uh, abortion is absolutely wrong. End of story. There's, there's no, there's no, gray there's no it this is it and i'm not saying that i that i i i disagree with that now but my perspective on it now is there's more to the story to that woman who's having the abortion
1: it's a complicated issue it's a complicated
2: yeah. issue and because it's a complicated issue you can't just look and say this is wrong you often And what I've come to is that, yes, this is wrong, but this is wrong because this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. And it's not just one thing. It's not just, it's not as black and white as my narrow focus used to be. Mm. And I think that I've learned that um, I'm much more quick now to say, wait a minute, I need to think deeper about this before I express my opinion or before I jump in, because uh, oftentimes, I'd jump in with my opinion with authority, that it would it would come across like I n- knew with absolute what I was talking about, when in reality, there was much more to it than what I w- and, and I think that's very pretentious. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's um, it's interesting, you know my answer especially because of the time frame that you gave and uh, not not truly being a believer at that time, but mm. some of the pretension that I had is in my teens and my 20s and the things that I was doing, the ways that I was behaving, because I grew up in the church, I almost felt like I knew all the information, but I didn't have a relationship, so I could use what I knew to get around any guilt I should have felt. <laughs> and it was, it was pretentious of me to think that I could do that because mm. of the knowledge I had. I thought I could manipulate it to allow me to continue to live the way I wanted to, rather than the way that I was supposed to. Mm. And that was incredibly pretentious. And one of the things that I still struggle with is what Scott was just talking about, is that definitive lines of of black and white. And i I can easily rule out any gray. Mm. And it makes it, it's a great thing in certain ways because I'm not as hurt by things emotionally or relationally as you know someone like my my wife who's very considerate of the possibility outside of her own view Mm. and whereas if someone says something to me that doesn't go with my definition of that situation I'm like okay that's on them then and I don't (laughs) have to think about it right and that's they're an idiot I I don't often think of that as pretentious (laughs) It is something I know I have to work on, but it truly is because it's it's very dismissive. I may not be condescending to someone, but it's almost like, well, I'm not condescending simply because I dismissed it. Mm. And that's not giving the respect that that is deserved for people who have their own way of doing things. And it's you know similar to what you were talking about, Tom, where it's just, I know the right way to do it, and if that's not happening, well, then that's on somebody else, right? You're the problem, that's mm. on you. Um, and i don't always view that as pretentious but when you break it down it it certainly is
1: so there's some there's some um patterns pretentious patterns in church life that that kind of amuse me one of them one of them i have to resist all the time and and i try to actively do that it's it's actually kind of hard when when you're a communicator and you like you stand up in front of people every weekend and are giving them um you know a lesson or a message and, and you have people that appreciate your teaching and they tell you, Oh, that was so great. Or that meant a lot to me or whatever. And it's very easy for that to inflate your sense of self-importance mm-hmm. and, but just the whole, um, the whole structure of, you know, whatever size church you are, whether it's a hundred, like a thousand people coming to hear. The expertise of one guy who gets up every weekend and has all the answers like that is i know a lot of pastors not a one of them have all the answers like (laughs) what yeah and the you know that um it's one of the reasons i really like actively seeking to to build more of a preaching team here to just subtly communicate there's a lot of valuable voices in in the world a lot of valuable voices in the church you don't you don't have to hear truth from just one one guy that you think has it all figured out because I guarantee you there's no one person that has it all figured out like it's a it's a group effort to come and and really, hear from God and, and learn about God. And so that's one of the things that I always felt like it was very pretentious. In fact, there was a a video once that I saw put on by a church in Georgia and they did, they do some really fun stuff, but this one in particular, they, they spoofed their own worship services and they, (laughs) they did this little like promo video of a worship service and all of it was just like, um, making fun of themselves and like, you know, the, the worship leader got up and it was like, they played a song, but the lyrics to the song was like loud noise, big lights, you know, like, get your attention. And then and the song ends. And then a guy walks up and he's the host for the service and he walks up and he's like, hi, young dude, relatable, spread my hand so you can see I have a tattoo because <laughs> you know <laughs> you know and just the whole thing and and the pre- when the preacher gets up it's you know it's like you know looking thoughtful i have all the answers you know and just all this stuff that they're just making fun of the whole the whole pattern of of uh, these these things that we get used to doing um so that for me particularly as a pastor the the pretentious attitude that i have it all figured out and that everybody has to hear it from me—that's something I actively try to resist. It. Resist. Are there other things in church life that you guys notice? Like, oh, yeah, that's kind of self-aggrandizing.
0: Well, that's it. It's an interesting example that you brought up when they were spoofing themselves, and that's something that I I sort of struggle with and question um, in today's modern society, having that social media and that that connection with so many additional people Mm -hmm. and the way that in some instances people strive for that most polished and, um, you know,
1: I I struggle
0: to say the word false, but nobody is perfect all the time, but what they're putting out, they insist on what goes out is perfect.
1: Yeah. And it has a nice filter on it. Correct. Correct.
0: And I struggle with that. Is that pretentious? Or is that simply responsible <laughs> in trying to reach the largest amount of people? And I go yeah. back and forth with that. Um, and so it was interesting, just your example. And so I I don't know that that's really an answer to your question that I, I view it as pretentious because sometimes I do. And then other times I'm like, well, is it pretentious or is it recognizing that if I want to reach the most people, that's I've got to go about it in this way that thing, yeah. um, because that's what people have come to expect. And so if that's simply the doorway to get them to come in then we can get them to actually find out more
1: it's a fine line like especially now with churches putting content out online so much it's a fine line between always putting your best foot forward and just being your authentic self online and in person but we had a we had a weekend um i don't know within the last month i forget i forget what weekend it was but i had I had said something in a sermon that afterwards I was like, I don't like that. And in particular, it wasn't that I had said something awkwardly mm-hmm. or even that I had made like a, a a factual error. It's that I said something that potentially hurt somebody else's feelings. Mm-hmm like it undermined somebody else. And I didn't really intend it that way, but I realized after the fact, like, oh, they could really take that hurtful. And so I asked our tech team, I was like, can we, that was a Saturday night service, which is the one we normally record. And I said, can we record again on Sunday and delete that recording and replace it with, you know, the, the first service on Sunday. And, and they agreed to, and I, I told them why, and they agreed to, and, and I felt good about that. Like I didn't, I didn't, you know, but I think I would feel bad if I just like every weekend, if I came in and be like, you know, I think this service was my better sermon. Let's put that one online. Mm-hmm. Like I, then I would mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I'm starting to cross the line of, of not, you know not presenting my authentic self like some sometimes the recording we put out there is the best version of the sermon i did that week we do three different services and so there's three different options <laughs> and it's the same message but it's always comes out a little different and if i always just made sure we posted the the best one i would feel i would feel like i was being a little bit false that sometimes sometimes it's not always that crisp and clean mm-hmm. i don't know what do you think scott
2: well, I was thinking about his comment. I think that that if we want to put something out quality, then then we want to do a, do our best. Where, where right. I get into an issue, and I think that you know, and this might be pretentious, <laughs> but I think one of the things our church really does well at is not to say you don't belong. Mm-hmm. You know, I've 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 heard stories of churches that have amazing like amazing worship bands and that kind of stuff. And then you find out, but if you are an average player or an average singer, they say, you're not good enough. You're not, you're not, Mm -hmm. you know. And there's no avenue for people to improve or to become a part of or, you know, so if you were to watch our videos, um, and please watch our videos. um, (laughs) But if you were to watch our videos, you would find that some weeks... um, the whole service just flows. Some weeks are like our podcast. They just fall apart half, you know, all through it. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. But, but my point being is that I, I never feel like somebody coming here would not find a place that they can connect because you don't have the right qualities. Or, and, mm. so, and I think that's pretentious when we, when we begin to say, look how beautiful and pretty we are, but you can't be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. engage. I, to me, that's that's where it's we a have to be. Space, yeah. yeah, that's where we have to be really careful about. You know what does that pretentiousness looks like? Even in our church, where we're saying, you know, I don't want somebody who doesn't like kids working in in our rich kids, mm-hmm. but I do want somebody who says I'm kind of interested. Let's find out. Great, let's put you in there for a couple of weeks. Let's see how you work. Let's see, you know, let's do all the background stuff we need to. To see if that's where you fit, not just to be able to say, Oh, you're you're a, a single male or female, you you don't belong here because you don't have
1: kids. That does, that to me that's pretentious. Mm. So over the course of this last year podcast, covered a lot of different topics. Are there are there ones that stand out? Things that that really got your attention, meant something to you, you know. What was the impact for you out of the podcast? This is a dangerous question because it could be dead silence. (laughs) I I can promise you it won't be dead silence,
0: but this is one of those areas that's probably going to be dangerous because as an audience member, as a listener, Mm -hmm. there is probably a lot more that stuck with me than did for y'all. As you present the information, you communicate the information, but you weren't taking in the information. Um, But I have so many things that I could talk about that came out oh, you know, well, over this, that's this year. That's great.
1: you improved my self-confidence. Go <laughs> for, <it. laughs>
0: for For me, one of the things, uh, one of the podcasts that I have listened to the most and that I still focus on is the prayer life Do you, you listen to them one. more than once? Uh, some of them,
1: yes. Oh, that's cool. I won't
0: say all of them, but sure. this one in particular, because it's something I've focused on this year, which is improving my prayer life. Mm-hmm. And I loved the the podcast y'all did on prayer it's very early on and i even love the description where it's two pastors judge your your uh <laughs> prayer skills
1: or something along those lines yeah our our tech helpers uh come up with the titles so we we can't claim responsibility for them but i did like that it, one. it's yeah.
0: hilarious but it was so helpful for me especially because it did line up uh with something that i was focusing on was becoming more comfortable praying uh, out loud and in person, and mm. and so the the prayer podcast in particular, I loved the podcast y'all did with Josh, who it, it something about the introverted evangelic evangelicist, and uh, because again, I'm I'm an introverted individual, mm. and I've always struggled with that, and it's it's interesting to me because it opened my eyes to ways that I could look for ways of sharing faith that weren't the traditional means of sharing faith. And he spoke about using even the way he does his job as a way of showing people that he loves God because if someone ever talked about him doing a good job, he would refer to it being, well, we're supposed to work like everything we do is for God and so I better be doing my best. And then it opens Mm -hmm. that door where someone wants to then hear about God And I, I didn't think about things like that. And even things, the people that I work with, sometimes I like to joke around. I'm a positive person. I'm not surrounded by those same types of people at my work. (laughs) And so sometimes they'll, they'll say something like that. Like, man, you're always just happy. And up until I heard that podcast, you know, I would always sort of brush it off. I don't like to take a compliment. And so I would make a condescending joke or, you know, self condescending joke or something along those lines. But then after that podcast, I'm like, that's the perfect opportunity to let them know that my joy doesn't come from me. So it's easy. Mm. It's easy to be happy when I'm not counting on myself or my circumstances for that. And so then you can now say it in a in a way that's like, hey, I've got the joy of the Lord. I can't, I can't help it, you know? Mm. And then it's it's still humorous and it's still. Takes away that awkwardness of right after you receive a compliment, what are you supposed to do? Because you don't want to be pretentious <laughs> and just be like, I know I am the greatest. <laughs> but at the same time, like you want that moment to sort of pass. And that's, you know, one of the things that I took from that was the the podcast with Josh. The the podcast on reading the Bible was uh, another good one and, and how people sometimes can be very selective about what they read or, or when they'll read certain things instead of just, you know, letting that relationship with God guide you in what you're reading and, mm. and things that you may have read previously, but there's still something in it that you can learn and those sorts of things. But like I said, I could just keep talking. So.
1: Oh, cool. So. Scott, were there ones that stood out to you? I think probably one of the,
2: the biggest ones is, is a more recent one. And that was with, um, Judge Torek. Mm -hmm. And I think what struck me, I mean, it was, the whole podcast was just like, ooh, ah, oh, I was like watching a firework, you know, everything she said, I was just like, that's amazing. But the thing that struck me um, is, is when we asked, we asked a question about what would you, what last word would you have to all Christians? And it was very simple. She goes, just don't be duplicitous, Mm -hmm. be who you are. And I thought that is so resonant to everything that I want to be, and I want all Christians to be. Is let's just be real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was I was profoundly moved by that one. Um, I think all the way through. Every time we have a discussion about. Um, how do we have these conversations in culture? My mind is always spinning. Okay, how can I apply this? How can I apply this? So every time we get into another conversation, it's always, oh, I should try that. Now if I could find somebody to try it with, you know. <laughs>
1: so I um I can't remember if it was in the podcast with Josh that you mentioned, Jared, but there was a there was a lesson that impacted me from one of them and it was about our motivation for talking about our faith and whether whether we're motivated by by winning like winning an argument or or even just like winning a person to the kingdom and whether it's a it's a selfishly driven motivation or are we motivated by love are we motivated by like hey this person this person's in a terrible situation and i want to i want to love them care for them support them and hopefully, in the in the course of that, they're going to discover that that comes from a change in my heart that that Jesus made that that they could experience as well. Um, but you know, it, it exposes a pretentiousness sometimes in the church. I've literally seen churches that that stopped doing like an outreach, like stopped helping some. One or a category of people, like, oh well, we we stopped reaching out to that school because uh, none of those people would come to our church. Like, oh, so so the only the only reason you're serving is for your own benefit, or is it that you know if if you'd reach those people and they ended up at other churches, is that okay? Is it is it more about? caring about that they get a relationship with Jesus Mm -hmm. or about just building up your particular church or, you know, I, I knew people that we used to call it their gospel gun and they have notches on their gospel gun. (laughs) Like, you know, I told somebody else about Jesus. I told somebody, you know, and they're just firing bullets out of the gospel gun. And it was really more about them, their sense of accomplishment of how many people they told Mm -hmm. rather than caring about those people yeah. and the state of their lives. And so so that was that was a that was a reminder to me and and I again I don't remember if it was from that Josh episode, but it definitely struck me. I think because I think it was from Josh because I just mm-hmm. saw in him this compassion for people that was right. genuine. It wasn't wasn't about I'm trying to trying to get something from them. I'm trying to give something to them. Mm-hmm. And that seems so genuine in him the the judge torak episode was mind blowing for me but m- more because it re- it exposed a pretentiousness in me um i think i i had this perspective <laughs> that pastors are so unique and nobody else has the same kind of issues in their life their professional slash personal dynamic that pastors have where everybody looks at them as as um often untouchable, separate. And then she started talking about how people view her as a judge and they, they conflate that with who she is as a person and how, you know, she doesn't like to tell people what she does for a living. Cause as soon as she says, I'm a judge, they start treating her different. And I've had the exact same experience. Like I don't, I don't generally lead with I'm a pastor. You know, I, I, I try to be curious. What do you do for a living? Oh yeah. I work for a church is usually, is, is usually how I start. And if they get curious, I'll, I'll eventually disclose my role. But when, once you say I'm a pastor, like you can see them mentally scrolling through. Did I swear in the, in the last <laughs> five minutes? Like, did I, did I use any cuss words that offended this Like And, and they're all of a sudden they panic and, and I just, I think I pretentiously thought that was so unique to my role. And when she started using the exact same language, I was like, wow, how cool it is that like, here's somebody I can really identify with if I just get over myself. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a big, that was a a good, big deal to me.
2: I think that over 2023, some of the one of the things I've been really impressed with is, um, Including you, is the the humility of our guests, just the humbleness to say mm-hmm. this is who I am, this is where I'm at, here's the things I've walked through to get to this place, and and I think there was just that that just comes across in volumes, uh, both to me and to our listeners, and I think that's just incredible.
0: Well, I think it speaks to the dynamic that you two create in doing this podcast. I've talked to Tom. I don't think I I've told you, Scott, but I. I love when I listen to a podcast called Resisting Pretense, and I hear y'all talking about not pressing record for <laughs> the first 10 <laughs> minutes of talking, and now y'all are having to go back or y- you know, something will will happen. and I'm like, it would have been so easy to just edit that out and to not include that. And it could have looked more polished. It could have, you know, come across more uh, flawless but it it's left in there and you know i choose to think that it's deliberate and mm-hmm. that it it's so fitting for that title of of resisting pretense and being who we are and and saying things but i don't know if we're we're about to head on but i did since i had you both here and i mentioned the prayer podcast there's something that i've been working on this this year so i'm just going to ask y'all how do you find a balance in your prayer life of praying in faith while accepting his will.
1: Mm.
2: So today's podcast was sponsored to you by (laughs) unofficially sponsored by we
1: had a, we had a Mountain Dew invader. I, uh, I I ruined it. Ask the the question question again. again. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I've been working on is, is prayer. And I want, to pray in faith meaning the things that are I'm praying about and I'll give I'll give a specific example we we as part of our church will take prayers in from the whole congregation if there's something you're praying about and we'll send it out to our prayer team and they'll come in an email and there's things in there that I want to pray about convicted and in faith that we have the power very specifically it's when it comes to um family members or, or members of our congregation who are struggling and fighting against cancer. And I want to be able to pray definitively knowing that we have the power to heal those things through Christ's intervention. But then every time it's like, if I'm praying with that conviction, am I taking away from God's will? And if I'm praying, well, let your will be done. Am I taking away from having the conviction of knowing how much power prayer has? And this is this constant struggle that I'm, I I can almost feel myself going through it when I'm praying and, you know, for, for personal things too, when I'm praying for growth and I'm praying for development and I know that through God's help I can, but then it's almost like, well, wait, am I wanting these things just for me or is this what God wants? But then do I lose that faith and that conviction if I'm saying, well, only, only if it's what you want, God, because I think that's what you want, but I don't know that's what you want. And so now I'm going to, I'm backing down in my prayer now. And so now it's not convicted and it's not as faithful and it's not as strong. So how do y'all balance that in your own prayer lives?
2: I'll but let the man who knows everything. <laughs> he is the pastor. He is the pastor. That's
1: good to say. I'll let you know when, once I figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me
2: let me go ask one of the other pastors.
1: I, I've, I've had three or four thoughts as you were talking. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm not exactly sure what you said. Um, Me neither. <laughs> no, the, the first thing that crossed my mind, and I aspire to do this, but I'm terrible at it, is I think often we don't stop to ask God, what do you want to do here?
0: Mm.
1: We We think about what do I want to happen? And we might ask the question to ourselves, is this what God wants to happen? But we don't necessarily actually make that a part of prayer. <laughs> we're just mm-hmm. like, because we don't know. And I think because often because we're afraid that we're not going to get an answer from God, we don't actually ask him. Um, and not the answer of, will you heal this person? Like the question, do you want to heal this person? So let's just use the the cancer example. Somebody has Somebody has cancer. And so we're trying to decide, do we pray for God to strengthen them for what they're going to go through? Or do we pray that God would heal them? And you're trying to decide, because I want to pray confidently one way or the other. Then I think often we, we don't stop and say, God, what, what do you want to do in their life? And it takes, it takes time to ask that and listen. And, and sometimes you'll get an answer. Sometimes you'll get a conviction, like I really think God wants to heal them, or I really think th- there's a purpose for this in their life that they're going to have to they're going to have to wrestle through. And so I'm going to pray for that. But I think praying, stopping, and really listening to God. I, I recently ran across this thing in prayer um, that I'm scared to death to do, uh, but of asking God that question, "What do you want to do here?" And then and then starting to write like in a journal or just on paper or whatever, but starting to write, what do you think God is saying? You don't have to be right. You can mm-hmm. be like, but right. but write down what you're thinking God would say about this and then look at it and be like, is that what I really think God thinks? Or is is that mm-hmm. what I want him to, you know, and just right, trying right. to wrestle through listening to God, but doing it in an active way, like actually writing down what you think God is saying uh, or or might say. Um, so that was the first thought I had, and that's something I'm, I'm trying to implement more in my own prayer life is, is active listening to God. The second thing that, that I was thinking is I'm, I'm not sure it's a one or the other prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I thought about it from this point of view, you've got five kids, right? Yes. Nice. Six, five, five, five. five kids. Five. If Caleb came up to you and said, Dad, I was wondering if you would get Peyton an iPad for Christmas. And in your head, you're thinking, There's no stinking way I'm getting Peyton an iPad. Like, she has a, you know, she has a. Amazon tablet, it's fine, it meets her needs, I'm not buying, I'm not spending, you know, X amount of dollars more to give her a second tablet that she doesn't, you know, and and in your head, are you offended that Caleb wanted something extravagant for his sister? No, of course not. And so I think when we go to God and we're, we're praying for someone and we're asking for something extravagant for them, this... This remarkable, miraculous healing. I don't think God's offended that we're asking something that He may or may not end up doing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it bothers Him that that we might pray that way. Um, and I and I think to an extent, there's a there's a beautiful expression of faith even in the ask. Like Caleb, Caleb's like, "Hey, Dad, I, th- I think you got it in you to, to give her an iPad." Like a, to me, like he sees you as as having resources beyond measure and that's no big deal. And you might be like, I can't afford that. (laughs) And so when we ask extravagant things of God, we're, we ask because we believe he's capable of it. And that's honoring. I mean, that's, that, that's good. And so to an extent, um, if I've asked God and I've, and I've actually attempted to listen and I, and maybe I feel like, I don't know what he wants to do here, but I know I'm really hoping this person gets healed then I'm going to pray got to uh, like I know what you're capable of and I'm I'm praying that you do that here um then then I think having the humility to accept whatever the answer is like the answer might be no I had a I had a different plan being like okay okay he's got a different plan you know like and if you ended up buying Peyton you know Royal Relays which are probably just as expensive as an iPad uh <laughs> But Caleb's gotta be okay that you know you're like, "Hey, son, I appreciate that you asked that. That's not the plan, but i've got a I've got a gift I think she's really gonna love mm. um and and if he can't take that like if we can't take a different answer from God, then we've kind of placed ourselves in the position of judging his plans That's a it's kind of a dangerous place to be oh, yeah. so so i I think it's okay to pray in hope for something and be right or wrong. Cause as we pray in in hope and in faith for something to happen, if that's not what happens, that doesn't mean the prayer was bad. It means we had an honest conversation. We got oh God, this is what I'm really hoping for. This isn't like and I'm believing you might do it. And and I I'm asking you to do it. But we still have to have that, I think that humble posture of, but you're going to do what you're going to do. And I'll like, I'll respect that. I don't know if that's helpful. I think, um, you didn't say anything, so I'm assuming
2: it's not,
0: (laughs) I didn't want to step on Scott's toes. No, it it is helpful. I think,
2: yeah, I think that having been a person that's gone through cancer, I, I have the perspective that I, I remember, you know, that, um, finding the growth, not sure what it is, having to deal with all the unknown and then finding out it's cancer. Um, a relatively minor kind, but still, you know, you're the told you have cancer. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know? And I remember, I, I'm a prayer walker and I remember walking around the auditorium cause it was just too darn hot to walk in
0: you at one in the afternoon. I was going to say that means it wasn't a real powerful prayer. Cause you always go to the ditch by your house. If it's a yeah, serious it's, prayer.
2: Well, not when it's not when it's 114 mm-hmm. hours. <laughs> But I remember walking around and walking around and walking around and and, and asking God, you know, um, to heal me. I remember having those conversations. But I also remember say, thinking and praying to myself or praying to God, but you know what is better for me than I do. You know you've got a, a you're omniscient. So you know everything that is good will come out whether I survive it or don't survive it. And I kept leaning into these promises, and I find that I do that even now in my prayer life, that God is always good. He wants what is best for us, not necessarily what I think is best for me, but what he thinks is best, that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he is our strong tower. So there's these promises that I'm always coming back to to say, you know, God, um, my desire, My desire for this person is that they would be healed. And I have no doubt in your capability. It's not a lack of faith that I believe that you wouldn't heal them. But I also believe that you want what's best for them. So I trust you. I'm asking as their brother or sister that you step in. But I also trust you to do what, what will be best for them in the long run. So I don't know if that helps or not.
0: It does. And it's, Kind of like what Tom was saying, it, it helps, but it's definitely going to be a practice, right? Mean, it's something that you have to
1: work at. I think it's the ongoing effort to to take prayer out of the classification of being like a vending machine. Right. Like if we treat right. prayer like it's something we, if we just say the right words or do the right thing or do it right, we get what we want out of it. And prayer fundamentally is a relational activity with God. And so it's an opportunity for us. For us to maybe learn how to listen to him better, and it's an opportunity for us to express what we hope and desire to him, and for him to comfort and direct us. But it doesn't—it doesn't always mean like we get to dictate terms, and that's what that's what the vending machine mentality essentially ends up in. If you have a mentality of prayer is this thing where I get to dictate terms to God, like this is what he has to do, then then I don't think. You're really not. That's that's not prayer as as I envision it. It certainly.
2: And I think it is kind of like the the analogy I was thinking about as you were talking was it's like kind of like walking on a balance beam. Sometimes you lean this way and sometimes you <laughs> lean that way. And you know I find myself leaning more than I am solid in the center mm-hmm. more often times than not. Um, and just to dovetail what off off what you said is I, one of the things that I think we. And I'm being judgmental here and I admit it. Um, but one of the things I think we fail as Christians is to be patient with God. Mm. Because I think you're right. I think we do have this. My, my idea was the Zoltan uh, analogy that I walk up and put a dollar in and ask Zoltan a question. And it makes <laughs> me big or small or whatever, you know. Um, and what I've really had to learn was that is I can ask the question but i may not know the answer f- till further down the road but it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that god didn't hear it it just means that he's taking that into consideration of everything else that's mm-hmm. being asked you know and so um i've really had to learn to wait on the lord for the answer to come and not just expect it it to come in you know um cuz i'm one of those people that if i ask you a question you want know, an answer now yeah mm-hmm. and but i'm like i'm like my kids you know, when my kids would come up and say, "Hey, Dad, could I have a could I have an iPad?" Well, let me think about it. That was not an acceptable answer. <laughs> my kids I wanted, automatically think that means no. <laughs> well, yeah, and and most of the time it did. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's be honest.
2: But but in reality, it also meant wait. Let's you know. And sometimes it was it wasn't that they they wanted to say no. It was like you're not ready to handle an iPad mm-hmm. yet. You mm-hmm. you don't have. I know it's really cool, but there's a maturity that goes along with that.
1: That'll be broken in two seconds. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and I think that's where where God says, you know, again, we talked about it. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not yet. Mm. And a lot of times I have to go, okay, God, I'm mm-hmm. going to wait
1: for whatever that answer might be. And that is hard for me. So hard. It is. <laughs> All right. So, Jared, you get to wrap us up with your... Uh, your perspective on where where would you like to see us go in twenty twenty four Is there are there things that you like? I'd love to I'd love to hear some some episodes on these kind of topics. You get a chance to to put your uh, suggestion box in right now. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I'm, I
0: I personally am so intrigued by the podcasts that have to do With the discipleship of Christians, and so I'd love to hear uh, more about things like prayer and Bible and prayer, reading the Bible, uh, reaching out to people. Um, But I also think it would be very interesting, and I know this could get somewhat redundant for you because you preach every week, but sometimes... You've you've asked me to give messages here in the past, mm-hmm. and I'm always so fascinated when I dive into maybe I know the story, but I look into the history, and right. I look into things um, that are, were culturally known at the time that impact those stories that maybe the general individual hasn't looked into. Mm-hmm. So maybe common stories, but uncommon details of those common stories. And ah, an, an okay. example would be uh, Scott, you just. You did a sermon not that long ago about the the fig tree, and it's a story that we all know about Jesus going and and flipping over tables in the temple. And but he first went and surveyed everything that was going on, and then he went and he, you know he acted um, in a in a harsh manner. But there was this thread that went through all of these chapters and all of these verses of this fig tree, and it was it was a message behind a story that you don't always bring together. And Mm. it was those kind of uncommon details in a very common story uh, that I thought was, you know, I loved hearing it at that time and I'd I'd be interested to hear more of those in some of those stories that maybe people haven't dove into them very deeply, but we all know them as Christians.
1: Mm.
2: But
0: I think that could be interesting. Cool.
1: Anything else you want to throw in Scott? Yeah, for our listeners,
2: we're going to invite you also to uh, give us input into what you would like to hear in 2024. And so if you have ideas for episodes, we're going to have you uh, just email us those ideas to scott at stoneridgechurch.com. And then I'll bug Tom about what what comes in, and, and um, but we would love to he- have your input as well. So Absolutely. If there's an episode you want to hear, uh, let us know what that might be, and and you can just like I said, email that to Scott
1: at StoneRidgeChurch.com. Well, thank you, Jared for helping us kick off the year. Thank you, Diet Coke, for your unofficial and unknown sponsorship. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And thank you for listening and being part of this. Hope you'll have these conversations about faith in your homes, your workplaces, your neighborhoods. And uh, we'll see you next time.
2: Have a blessed 2024.